Hello, and welcome back to Woes of a Witch podcast. I'm your host, Emma Westbrook. I'm a psychic witch, magical mentor, tarot diviner, ritual facilitator, mystifier of the mundane, and I am so pleased to have you here. I am really excited to get into our second episode, Um, and I just want to thank everybody who has listened to me and given me insights and, um, you know, just listen to the first episode, (laughs) just having interest at all is something to be thankful for. Um, and I especially want to thank everybody who has submitted our questions for today. So today's episode will be a witch woe question and answer kind of episode. So I have three witchy woes that have been submitted by three lovely witches, Um, and I can't wait to get into them. So let's jump right into it. So our first witch woe of the day has been submitted via Instagram and here's what it says. A witch woe I have is developing creative ways to address and to communicate with tarot. Most days I simply ask, what is the card of the day? Or what's a bad bitch need to hear today? Which is fine, but I so appreciate your creative ways to commune with tarot. I love this question. I think this is a really great, great question. Um, And I think that it speaks to, for me, a larger understanding that tarot is a tool that can be used to facilitate magic and connection to the divine. So I think that there is a lot of different and fun ways that we can work with tarot. Um, It can be used as a creative tool. It can be used as a way to connect with deity. It can be a self-reflection tool. It can be an inspiration. Um, And I think that when we're first learning tarot, it's really common to get kind of stuck in this card of the day or what do I need to hear prompt, which there's absolutely nothing wrong with. I think it's a really good way to guide your day. But there is limitless ways that we can use tarot and work with it. Um, I think one of the ways that I have really enjoyed exploring is using tarot as a vessel to communicate with deity. Um, Some of you may be familiar with my Divining with Deities reading that I've created, which is essentially a way to channel and communicate with deity, whether that be a deity that you currently work with or are desiring to work with through a tarot spread. And I find that, you know, this can be super helpful because I guess, (laughs) I guess as I'm speaking, I'm realizing that like my creation of this spread was to fill another witch woe, which is that sometimes communicating and building relationship with deity can be difficult. So for me, in my own exploration of that, I've created this spread for myself that I now share with other people so that I can use the tool of tarot to help me facilitate my connection to deity. So I think kind of reimagining what tarot is and looking at it as a tool can open up a lot of doors for us. Um, Another way that I think is a more creative way to work with tarot is through creativity and through our artwork, like really picking some cards to fill, um, 
an inspiration to be a muse. So for example, um, if you're writing something, you know, picking a couple of cards that maybe set the scene or create the characters or create the mood, this could also be done with like creation of artwork um, or projects or programs. Like it can really guide you in so many different ways. And I think the thought process between tarot being this thing I have to like learn the rules of and learn the messages for and study like can get us really in this very analytical sense with it when it's really not that analytical. I mean, it can be, of course, there, there's so many ways to look at it, but tarot, like witchcraft as a whole has many different approaches. And my approach to it is quite intuitive and quite creative, uh, <laughs> quite intuitive and quite creative. And I really like just using tarot to be something that builds upon the other things that I'm doing. Another suggestion that I have for this is, you know, getting to know your deck. There's a lot of spreads that speak to like asking your deck, like what they're like or what kind of energy they have, what they want to talk to you about. Um, this is not something that I have done in practice. It's not something I feel like called to do, but I think it could be an interesting way if you're wanting to like connect with tarot on a deeper level and a more creative level. Another suggestion I have for this is just kind of like taking your deck out for a field trip. So maybe you're like going for a walk in the woods and that's supposed to be this kind of ritual in itself. And so you bring your deck with you and then like, you know, you get to a certain crossroads and you pull a card and you're like, which way should I go? Or what should I do now? Or just kind of letting your deck make decisions for you for a day, like using it to guide where you go, um, which is a really lovely way of doing something that I like to call mystifying the mundane, like bringing this magical tool in to the mundane world and giving it the power to guide you and inspire you. So I hope that that was helpful and helped you to kind of open up your mind to some of the different possibilities that are available to you while working with a relationship to tarot. And I think another, just, I guess my last, <laughs> my last insight is that creating your own spreads can be a really fun way to feel more inspired about all of the different ways that you can work with tarot. I feel like a lot of the suggestions I gave are more about bringing it into your world, but just in a general sense, like how to kind of spruce up your studies of tarot, creating your own spreads um, for me, was a really helpful point in my journey and makes me feel much more connected to the things that I'm divining. So I hope that you enjoyed that response to your witchy woe. And thank you so much for submitting. So our next two witch woes, I'm going to share an answer together because I think they both really speak to a common theme. Um, which is a theme that I see come up quite a bit in my practice. So the first question reads, I find it hard to make time for my spell work and then I end up feeling guilty about it. Sometimes I find it hard to know if I'm even doing it right. How do I feel more confident in my magic? Help. And then the next question reads, a witch woe I have is trusting that my spells will work. I trust my deities, but I feel doubtful about my own magic. So both of these witchy woes speak to the idea of trust, trusting yourself and trusting your magic. 
Um, so I'm going to talk about that first, and then I'm going to talk about the other aspect of the first question, which is finding time for spell work, not being able to find time for spell work, and then feeling guilty about it. So in regards to trusting our magic, um, I think that everybody has a moment when they start doing spell work that they really start to question themselves because it's so obscure to for your mind to believe that, that magic and spell work can work, right? Like it really does bend our conception of reality. So everything, if you think about um, like mainstream media, all of our examples of magic are completely in the fantasy world, right? Like we don't really have um, examples in mainstream media of just everyday pagans kind of doing their work, everyday witches doing their magic, mystifying the mundane. Um, so when we start to do spell work, it can, it can feel kind of silly. It can feel kind of foolish. It can feel like we're playing pretend. It can feel like we're, you know, in a movie or in a fantasy world. And I think that looking back on it now, being like 10 years into my practice, that excitement and that uncertainty is a really beautiful part of your magical journey. So I first want to recognize that like, you won't always feel like this and it's kind of nice to lean into it. I I saw this post earlier in this year that was like, this year is the year that being delusional benefits me. And I think sometimes when we're doing magic, we have to enact some of that divine delusion because if we don't trust ourselves, if we don't trust our magic, it's not going to work. So it's kind of like this chicken and egg thing, right? Where it's like, if we don't trust, it's going to work. It's not going to work. But how can we trust if we don't know? Um, and I, I totally like in my first couple of spells did also feel a doubt. I was like, this isn't going to work. And it still did. So I think like magic finds a way of working around our doubt sometimes, um, but it definitely doesn't help the spell work to be doubting it. And it doesn't help your own, you know, empowerment that can come through magic to be doubting yourself. So I have a couple of suggestions for when you're feeling like you can't trust your magic or you don't trust your magic. Um, the first one is to just kind of look from a very kind of evidence-based standpoint of like, do you have any evidence that your magic won't work? just as much as you, you know, like, is, is there any evidence that proves that it won't work? Um, and kind of challenging yourself in that, you know, if you're, it's almost like saying to your brain, like, okay, brain, you want to be this realistic? Like, okay, give me evidence. <laughs> like, be realistic with me. Tell me why you doubt this. Tell me why this won't work. And kind of stretching that, being like a devil's advocate to your own self, um, can just kind of open up more realms of possibility. Another thing I want to say is that, if you are committing to your magical practice enough to do spell work, what is the worst thing that could happen if you do truly believe it? And it's like, I know it's hard to kind of convince yourself of something, right? So it's like, if you were, let's say I'm doing a spell for a new apartment, like I'm trying, I'm moving and I'm really trying to manifest certain things that I want in a new apartment which is something that I did. Um, but so let's say I'm there and I'm doing this spell and I'm just like, oh my God, like it's not going to work. Like the market's so bad. I'm never going to get something that is in my price range. I'm never going to get all the things I want. It's just unrealistic. It's completely unrealistic. Um, there's nothing that takes away from me 
to just put those real realistic feelings on pause for a moment as I do my spell work because this happens to me like this is a real story this is a real experience of like when I was moving I live in New York the rent's insane things are small <laughs> like the things I was looking for I felt after living here for years I'm like it's not possible there's no way I'm gonna find what I want for what I'm willing to pay or what I'm what I'm able to pay um and you know those very real doubts were present in my everyday life but in my spell work I push them aside just for 30 minutes or an hour however long my ritual was I just did my best to be like nope these thoughts are not welcome here these thoughts are not welcome here and that enough it that time that short amount of time is enough to bolster your spell work and it did happen I did get all the things that I was looking for I have a beautiful place and it is absolutely within my budget so just kind of reminding yourself that like we're not in the realistic world like when we're doing spell work we're not in the real world we're in the magical world and there's no limits there like things are completely limitless like you can bend reality that's what we're doing in ritual right so just kind of like leaning into that as much as possible and i just want to stress that like i know this is difficult it's it, as you know an experience which someone who's been doing spell work for years like sometimes i still have those moments too and you will and they happen but after a certain amount of time you're going to have enough evidence that your magic does work that it's easier and easier to push away that doubt and that fear so I hope that that's helpful to you. Um, I think uh, in regards to the question that says, I'm, I have trouble trusting myself over my deities, I think it would be really powerful for you to do a spell where you don't call upon your deities. Like your deities and your guides are always gonna be there and they're always gonna be looking out for you and they're always gonna be supporting you, but you don't have to invoke them in every spell. So I would really challenge you to do a spell without your deities and see if you feel or see any difference in the results or in the way that you feel or the connection that you feel. Um, because we are constantly co-creating with the universe. We're not just like here subject to fate, um, especially if you're doing spell work, especially if you're a witch, like that is kind of the point is like you are co-creating, you're sharing your magic with the universe's magic. And that's what spell work is. It's like you're making suggestions to the powers that be. And a lot of times they'll give you their own suggestions back. Like things might not happen exactly how you want them to, but I kind of trust that things happen how they're meant to. So moving on to our other aspect of these two questions um making time for spell work and feeling guilty when you can't make time for it um so i have a couple of things that i would suggest here first um i think that there are so many ways to incorporate spell work into your everyday life once again as i call it mystifying the mundane like enchanting your morning coffee um doing a ritual meditation before bed, giving offerings during meals to deities. Like there's so many little ways that you can weave your magic into your everyday experience and that can help you feel a little bit connected. connected. Um, but I think like no matter how often we do that, there's for me at least is a need to have ritual space. Like, and the mystifying the mundane just happens in tandem with that and is a way for me to, fulfill this desire and this need for connection to my magic when I can't always be in ritual. Um, 
So I think if it's about finding space and time for ritual, that just being really, really compassionate and generous with yourself and knowing that like you don't have to do a ritual every day or every week or every full moon or every new moon, like your magic is your practice and it's never meant to make you feel guilty. It's only ever supposed to support you and make you feel good and make you feel better about life. Magic is never supposed to be something that makes you feel bad and makes you feel guilty and makes you feel like you don't know what you're doing. Like this is a way for you to empower yourself. It's a way for you to feel more connected to yourself and the world around you. Um, and whatever works for you is what works. So I really challenge you to think about, you know, if you're feeling down about how often you're doing spells, is it because you think you're supposed to do them every full moon and every new moon? And that's too much of a commitment for you. Um, so really just thinking about like what feels good. And I also really, really recommend just kind of moving on inspiration, moving on the spark of creative moment. Like if you just feel that urge to be in ritual and you can go on that because the more it's kind of like going to the gym, like the more often you do it, like it's like hard to get going, but the more often you do it, the better you'll feel and the more enjoyable it will become. And so it'll really be this way where you can like, if you just go on that, that moment of inspiration, if you're just like, I'm really feeling it right now. And you jump in, you're more likely to do it again at some time soon. Um, so I think it's really about just kind of finding what natural rhythms you have. And when you naturally feel drawn to do magic, when you naturally feel inspired to do magic, really jumping on that and really letting yourself let that lead you, letting your creativity and your passion in your magic lead you. Um, and again, like not having to exist within this dogma of like, oh, every this moon cycle, I have to do this. Like that's not what witchcraft is about. It's about creating your own way to connect to yourself and to connect with spirit. And there's no wrong way to do it. <laughs> that's the secret. There's no wrong way to do it. There's no wrong way to do a spell. There's no wrong way to do your magic. There's no wrong way to be a witch. Like everybody's a witch. Everybody can do magic. <laughs> um, it's just about doing it and doing it in a way that feels good for you and trusting that like, that's enough. Like if you feel good, you feel connected. That's what it's about. And that's all that it's about. It doesn't have to be this big convoluted thing. It's just like, helps you feel good. It helps you feel safe. It gives you a sense of sanctuary in this world that is chaotic and challenging sometimes. <laughs> um, so yeah, don't be so hard on yourself. And if it's a, if it's a logistical thing, like you literally have no time, like you, like you're like, I've never done a spell. I haven't done it ever. I have no time five minutes, 10 minutes, you know, just building up the time. Like you can do it for as long as, or as little as you want. Everybody has their own interpretation. I personally really do not like to incorporate time into my magic. Um, I don't time my readings like for clients. Like I don't like charge by the 30 minute or the 15 minute. Like I just let it happen. However it happens. And I do the same with my spell work. Like I really don't like to be like, oh, you know, I have 30 minutes, I'm going to do a spell. Like I like to just take up as much time as I want because time is such a mundane concept, right? Like it's not really in the mystical other than like Saturn. But I mean, I think like we, 
it's important for you to not get so caught up in the rules of humanity when it comes to magic. Um, in Wicca, there's like one rule and it's do as you will, as long as you don't harm none. And although I'm not Wiccan, I really do enact that rule in my magic because it's like, you can do whatever it is that you want to do as long as you're not putting harm on anyone. And it's like, your spells are all valid. They all, they'll all work as much as you want them to. Um, or I guess as much as you believe that they will, um, it, there's no wrong way to do them. So I hope that that was helpful to you both. And I hope that you can find some time to be more in your magic and just experiment with trusting yourself and feeling what works for you and what feels good for you. I thought that it would be nice to end our episode today with pulling an Oracle card and kind of like a collective message for everybody listening. So I'm going to pull a card from the Dirt Gems Plant Ally and Guidebook. Um, I love this deck so much. Um, if you've worked with me recently, you've definitely heard me talk about it. Um, but it's such a lovely one and it offers just such beautiful insights. So I will put a link in the bio to where you can find out more about it. So the card that I pulled is Magnolia. And this is what it says. Magnolia says, get ready, it's coming. Your life is about to take a major turn, whether you see it or not. Magnolia asks us not to fight change or to resist where life leads us, but to let things become what they must and build our lives with integrity. Slow down and trust. Magnolia says, you are as old as anything on earth. You have everything you need. When you feel I have done everything I can think of and nothing changes, or how will I ever work through this? Magnolia says, let time flow through you. Everything you have lost is still all around you and everything you have once been, you will be again. And they know because Magnolia is 95 million years old, holding us in our entirety, our history, our whole selves, and the non-linear of time and space, Magnolia has seen it all. With their velvety voice, Magnolia says, persevere. With their guidance, you can endure the passage of time in a tremendously voluptuous beauty. Let your swollen, teary eyes radiate your tenderness, your humanity. Let yourself be beautiful in all states. Waxy, creamy, and tough, Magnolia asks us to believe in the fullness of time. Do not waste your days worrying or giving in to expectations and disappointment. If you feel your limitations around you, Magnolia says, grow beyond yourself. If you need to connect with time beyond your own and the knowledge of something bigger than yourself, Magnolia will lead you there. We often are attracted or called to Magnolia when there is a natural process unfolding in our lives that we are fighting or resisting. Magnolia will remind you that time and space have no hold on you. I love that. And I think it kind of, you know, I mentioned time earlier and how like time in magic is different, is warped, right? So if that's a message for anyone <laughs> about time and change, um, soak it in be with it, hold it with you. Um, 
And so, yeah, thank you all for listening this evening. This was really nice to record. Um, just some announcements. Um, if you liked this and you're interested in like connecting with me more, coming deeper into my magical world, there's a couple of different ways that you can do that and you can work with me. So the first being sessions and readings. I offer tarot readings. Um, I have a couple of spots, about five or six for the month of February available. Another way that you can be in my magical space, in my magical world, is by joining my Patreon coven. It's known as Mystifying the Mundane Coven. And each and every month we meet for a group class or ritual where I teach something or lead a ritual. Um, each month has a different theme. This month we have a very exciting workshop that's taking place on February 8th. Um, we have a guest witch in the coven known as Mary Adele of Hail Mary Perfumery. Mary is a writer and a perfumer and will be leading us in a scent erotica exercise. And the class for this month is called the Love Witch Workshop, and we'll be doing some sort of Lovecraft ritual um, in the space. So working with love magic, learning about love magic, and using the sensory um, erotica writing that we're doing with Mary to incorporate in our spell. So if that sounds like something that you want to join, you can sign up through the link in the description notes and you can send me a message if you want to learn more about it. Um, the coven is $33 a month and you get the meeting and workshops, <laughs> worksheets, sorry, <laughs> you know, worksheets and a collective psychic reading. And whenever you sign up, you get access to all of our past readings and past workshops, which at this point is like five of them. So it's a really lovely space that I am excited to continue to grow. Um, and yeah, so I invite you to the coven and I hope that you join. Um, and I hope that you enjoyed this episode and I, I can't wait to come back again and do another one in two weeks. Um, our next episode is going to be about Persephone and I'll leave it at that, a little teaser. Have a lovely evening and stay magical. Thank you to all of our witch woe submissions for this week. I hope that you got some insight out of your questions and for everybody else listening, I hope that this was insightful for you as well. Um, I really love doing this kind of episode. It's been really fun and there'll definitely be more of them like this. So if you have your own witchy woe that you would love to submit and hear answered here on the podcast, you can send me a message on Instagram at leaving.witch, or you can send me an email to witchwoes at yahoo.com.